3: What's up, boys? It's been a long time since we've gotten together. I know we've been busy. Uh, took a trip out west to cover the College World Series. Glad to be back. I got a bunch of stories for you fellas, and uh, we have another guest for you tonight. He's been on the show a couple times, so you know if you're a uh, loyal listener, you probably know who he is. Um, we got Greg Peterson on. What's going on, Greg?
1: Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me, guys.
3: Then we got Maddie Nails and Smitty. What's going on, boys?
0: Not much from Pennsylvania, just a little bit of work. Actually, a lot of work and a lot of sports in the background. I'm right,
2: I'm right with it. Trying to track some golf scores and watching my Pirates lose again. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just another night.
3: All right. So, Greg, last time we had you on, we talked college basketball a couple times during the season. Um, now we're going to transition to your baseball side of things. So I know we were really excited uh, you know, we've been pretty hectic over here at Notebook Wager, and we finally got you one uh, like we've been wanting to. So let's just dive right into it, um, Smitty. Why don't you uh, Why don't you start in terms of baseball?
1: Yeah,
2: Greg, I'd love that. Uh, Greg, I listen to your podcast every morning. Uh, Thank you. It gets me through. Um, my walking in this extreme heat right now. So there's a couple I really enjoy and yours is the first one that I listen to in the morning. One thing you talk about, and I kind of agree with you, I call them kind of the Rodney Dangerfield team. They get no respect. Can you just go in a little bit to our listeners? Why do you think the Giants are not really getting a lot of respect by
1: some of the odds makers with some of the lines? I think it's two reasons. For one, there really wasn't a lot of expectations for San Francisco coming into the year. A lot of people thought, Oh, this is a cast off of a bunch of veteran guys. They don't necessarily have as much upside as some of these flashy teams like the Padres who have a bunch of young 20 somethings that have been able to come up. They've been able to gel together and are obviously having a very nice year, but I think that's the first reason. And the second reason is just who they're playing against. Everyone takes a look at that division. They think, Oh, the, Dodgers and the Padres. You're going to have to play a lot of games against these two teams. That's going to take a toll on you. Eventually, the Giants are going to regress. Well, it's July 1st, and here they are with the best record out there in the big leagues. I could understand if it would be a little bit more of a situation in which uh, Giants were sitting here with 50-plus wins, and they had, like, a plus-10 run differential or something like that. That would maybe indicate that they're getting a tad bit lucky. Plus 97 is their run differential. To put that into perspective, the Dodgers plus 106, the Padres plus 80, and then you just take a look at the rest of the National League. You don't have another team that is more than plus 30. That would be the Milwaukee Brewers after they wound up having that insane game with the Chicago Cubs on Wednesday. So I just take a look at the San Francisco Giants team. They don't necessarily have a lot of sizzle, but just everyone knows their role. Gabe Kapler has turned the corner as a manager. We remember that he was a little bit of a hot mess with the Philadelphia Phillies, but he's done a great job of having a lot of his players being able to platoon. He's done a great job of being able to manage both his starters and the bullpen. And ultimately, I think the biggest offseason acquisition in baseball was just getting back buzzer Posey. you want to missing the 2020 season because he does so many little things that we don't necessarily see. He does a lot of things that don't necessarily show up. When it comes to a box score, when it comes to handicapping, the amount of runs scored, runs given up, he just does a great job of being able to call games. He does a good job of being able to calm down his pitchers. And, oh, by the way, he's got north of a 400 on base, and he's getting a home run every 13 at-bats, which helps as well.
0: Greg, I can't believe you actually just beat me to the punch on Buster Posey. Is there anything you're not good at?
1: (laughs) Well, I am not good at... Let's see here. I am not good at a bunch of like girly stuff. Like if you take me to an eyelash store, I would not know what eyelashes to pick out.
0: (laughs) Well, needless to say, you're good at lots. I mean, hoops, baseball is heck. We even talked a quick stock market beat right before uh, we fired up here, (laughs) but I'll go, I'm going to go a different team here who is still kind of flying under the radar. And you just touched on them as well. And that's the Brewers. Um, I think this team is the perfect built team right now to go make a move here at the trade deadline. I mean, this is one team I don't want to see in the playoffs, period, with Woodruff, Peralta, and Burns as the three guys you're going to see. And this team is doing it without Kristen Yelich. Is there anything else
1: you see these guys possibly doing coming down for the stretch, the Brewers? I think that if they're able to just get a good infield bat, this is a team that's gonna be fine. And Jace Peterson has actually really emerged for them. For one, no relation to me. Unfortunately not, because you take a look at what he's done in the month of June, he's hitting a two eighty-three with a four for fifteen on base. So that has been very big for a Brewers seeing that. They've had a lot of flux recently this season. Guys like Manny Pina have not been able to hit for them. Kesson hippipi has been more like Kesson Hippip-Boo hitting a buck 60 so far this year. Jackie Bradley Jr. hitting like a 175. Travis Shaw winds up getting injured. And you've had Colton Wong in and out of the fold. It looks like he's getting healthy. But if they're able to get that bat, that's going to be big. Because you mentioned all the pitchers that the Brewers have. Brandon Woodruff. Looking like a top five pitcher out there in the National League. Corbin Burns, he had that amazing streak to begin the year where he didn't wind up issuing a walk. Freddie Peralta, right now, leads qualifying National League starters in few assists given up for nine innings and strikeouts for nine innings. Walks are a little bit of an issue, but you're going to be able to live with that. And beyond that as well, Brad Boxberger has been very solid in the seventh inning. I will. Admit it right now, I'm very surprised by that because Brian Boxberger was a hot mess the last few years, but he's been the perfect bridge guy for what I think is the best eighth and ninth inning duo out there in baseball, Devin Williams and Josh Hader. When you're able to get six strong innings and then you're able to turn it over to Boxberger, Williams, Hader, that is very difficult. So even if the Brewers only score, say two or three runs in a game, they might only give up one because the pitching is just that good.
3: Great stuff. Great stuff. I, again, I think with Matt, I don't think uh, there's a bad thing, you know, sports wise um, to your resume. Um, let's kind of change gears. So you guys were talking about, um, you know, teams that either got not enough love or were under the radar. Let's go. What teams have kind of disappointed you? Um I would say, personally, a team that disapp- – I have two. I would say the Braves have been disappointing to myself, um, and then St. Louis. St. Louis, you know, they had the big acquisition where they got paid money to take Nolan Arenado. You, you team him up with Paul Goldschmidt, you know, obviously going into the season, you had know, Jack Flaherty, Adam Wainwright. Um, Mikolas was supposed to be pitching, and then he's out uh, for the foreseeable future, I believe, the remainder of the season. Um, They just seem like they had so much to look forward to, and they're just not taking control of what I consider, outside of Milwaukee, a very weak NL Central.
1: Mine is the Minnesota Twins. They are currently behind the Detroit Tigers in the AL Central. Who thought that the Minnesota Twins would be behind the Detroit (laughs) Tigers in the AL Central? That is, in my opinion, just a big, giant calamity. They've been using Bailey over in some starts, and you can tell that he's got some good stuff he needs a little bit more seasoning, though. Kenta Maeda, my goodness, he's right now sitting here with a 5-5 ERA. Remarkable that he's got a 3-3 and record. This guy was a borderline Cy Young candidate last year. He has not been able to put it together, and that's been bad because Jose Barrios, he's been able to do his job. He's been a suitable starter for this team. But really, past Barrios, you don't know what you're going to be able to get out of these starters night in and night out. They have been banged up as well. Luis Reyes wound up missing a bit of time this year. They're just now getting back, Max. A couple of that should be able to help them out. And I will say the young guys like Alex Curloff, Trevor Larnage, these guys have been able to step up. They're hitting in the pocket of 255, 260, giving you a couple homers. But man, with Minnesota, the pitching, you just expected it to be a little bit better. You thought that maybe you'd get not necessarily the world's greatest performance out of Jay Happ. And that certainly has been the case, despite his four and three record. But, for them to be behind the Detroit Tigers, I don't think anyone saw that coming.
0: Hey, hey, Greg, uh, I don't know if you noticed though. Your super surprised team, the KC Royals, also behind those pesky Detroit Tigers. Losers started are not-
1: the year really well, man. Yeah, the Royals, yeah. I believe that entering into Friday, they have lost twenty out of their last twenty-four games.
0: Yeah, they're on a nine-nine in a row uh, skid right now. So they are. Struggling my question with them is with this skid, real quick, because I'm a big fantasy guy. You think there's any chance they bring up Bobby Witt Jr. They finally
1: they should I think that they are going to. The question is, do they wind up just trying to save service time at this point? And that's probably going to be the case because the Kansas City Royals, I do give them some credit. They actually signed some halfway decent pieces. And I think a big reason why they're struggling right now is that Andrew Benatendi has been out the full you take a look at their struggles ever since he's went out, it has just been stark. I have to think that he was offering a little bit more than just as bad, and he was doing a solid job hitting like a 285, 290, but I think he was doing a good job of being able to hold things together, and Adelberto Mondesi, it feels like he plays for like two games and then he goes back on the injured list every single time. That has certainly hurt the Kansas City Royals as well, but what else is just terrible for the team is that it feels like every single time they have a young starter that looks relatively promising they give them two or three good starts like Chris Bubich with Chris with a K by the way every single time after they give you a, a couple good starts they wind progressing. we're seeing it with Danny Duffy coming off the injured list actually was one of the best pitchers out there in the big leagues prior, prior to going on the injured list Ever since he's come off of it, he has not been the same guy. You can tell that the team is trying to ramp him back up. It just has not been going well for them. And in general, this is a Kansas City team that I would encourage them to bring up a lot of their young talent because they've got one of the better farm systems that you're going to see in the MLB. But I think that they're going to try to sheep out. They're going to try to build for the future. And you're probably not going to be seeing these guys until early September. So that way they can do what they need to with regards to service time.
3: (laughs) Greg, on the Kane City team, real quick, uh, I, I will say I do like what they're doing. They're throwing two rookie pitchers, Jackson, Kowar, um, and then Brady Singer. And I think both of them, these will be good starts for them. Brady Singer's had a couple good outings. Jackson, Coar got rocked a little bit. Uh, but I think it's, you know, like you said, they're, they're kind of uh, sold on the season, you know, just getting young talent to play. Um, I think it's going to be good for them upcoming, you know, to pair those guys. So next year they're going to come in as year two guys, but they're going to have a lot of uh, a lot of innings under their belt, and I think that's beneficial for such a young team. You know, if you can get Bennett any healthy, um, Michael A. Taylor kind of dropped off performance. He started, he was batting like 450, a couple home runs. You're getting the uh, the average Michael Taylor now, but he's this one of the best you know defensemen outfielders in the games so that you've secured that spot they just have if if modesty can get healthy if Bobby Wood jr comes up you know and does well uh for september call-ups and has a good spring training next year you know one i don't anticipate him not making the team next year um i i think they could be in a position in three to five years to be a really good team
1: i agree with you and brad keller there is no way that he is as bad as he has pitched this year the six and eight record is not too bad a 667 ERA and a 188 whip. I mean, I just can't believe what I'm seeing right now. Opponents are hitting a 328 off of Brad Keller, a guy with six wins in the majors right now. That's one of the most stark things I've ever seen in my life. And at home, he's got an ERA that's hovering right around eight. It was a very small sample size in 2020. He wound up starting five games at home, but last year at home, 4 0 record with a 0.27 ERA, and now he's got an 8 ERA at home. I just don't think I've ever seen anything quite like it. And I think that because Brad Keller was brought up, at such a young age we all think that he's older than what he is he's 25 as well so if you're able to get things figured out with core who has been very good in the minors when he's been brought up to the big leagues he has not been able to put it together chris with the k boobage who i wanted mentioning a little bit earlier someone who has had his moments he had a couple good starts he has fallen off the table recently you mentioned brady singer he's the guy that i'm high on as well if you're able to get these guys operating and you're able to keep her on Salvador Perez, who I think is one of the best catchers out there in the big leagues. Does a great job both calling a game and he's right now one of the league leaders with regards to home runs. I think that you really do have something here with this game city Royals team.
2: Greg, you know, you do a daily spreadsheet and you did it in college basketball and now you do it with baseball, which again, it's just, it's remarkable. I, you know, it's something I study every morning and how you set your lines you're like always I mean it's you're right there I mean it's just how you do it it's amazing but for your like over-unders or even just generally over-unders can you talk about do you think you're going to see more of it because of the with the pictures with the sticky substances uh ban or just again maybe the warmer conditions all over the ballparks right now
1: I think the biggest thing is the warmer conditions because if you take a look at the first 10 days in which there was these, this foreign substance ban in Major League Baseball. So this is pretty much all the days prior to what we wound up seeing on Wednesday, which was just that Brewers 15 unanswered runs, the Washington Nationals lighting up the Tampa Bay Rays, so on and so forth. Unders were hitting ever since at about a 54 and 55% clip. So you were actually seeing more unders and overs, but we know that ballparks are getting much more humid If you're out there in the Pacific Northwest, you have been feeling it the last couple days as it wound up getting up to like 115 degrees out there in Seattle. So temperatures are rising. And I also think that we're just going to see arms in general wind up flaming out because when you take a look at what you wound up having last year with the 60 game season, we've already played 15, 20 more games than we did last year. And that takes a toll, especially on these younger guys. We're seeing a lot of these pitchers wind up going on the injured list. I think that as a result, you're going to see more, I guess you could call it less than trustworthy bullpen pieces. I think that you're going to see more guys brought up to the minors that probably should not be brought up as a result of all these injuries. That's going to lead to more runs in general. And hey, we know this with Major League Baseball. They have been known to change the ball without telling anyone whatsoever. I know that they deaden the ball a little bit coming into the year. Who's to say that they don't wind up during the all-star break putting in there a little bit more juice as well? So I do think that runs are going to be rising, but I think that bookmakers are also going to be adjusting accordingly. If you take a look at overs and unders for the year as we are doing this podcast, overs are hitting at about a 50.4, 50.5-ish percent clips. Unders are anywhere between 49.5-ish percent. And the big thing is, even when the pitchers were really dominant, it was right around this level as well with the foreign substance ban. It has stayed consistent, and bookmakers just know exactly what is happening. They are on point with regards to the weather at all these ballparks. They're on point with what's happening when it comes to foreign substance ban. So it's one of these cases in which I'm going to be setting higher totals with regards to my numbers, by anticipate bookmakers doing the same as well. And I think also you can just add in, there's just some really bad bullpens. Oh yeah. I mean, the bullpens are really all or nothing. The Chicago Cubs prior to that series against the Milwaukee Brewers, which that was a calamity that they gave up 10 runs in an inning. And then they followed it up two days later by giving up eight runs in an inning, but That's a discussion for another day. They had like a 270 ERA for the year. The San Diego Padres bullpen has been amazing. Shock, shock, surprise, surprise. The Rays once again have a good bullpen. It's like death taxes in the Rays, just being able to give you a good performance with some of their lesser arms year in and year out. But the Arizona Diamondbacks over the last 30 days, a north of six bullpen ERA. We thought the Atlanta Braves would be solid. They had a good bullpen last year. They have been much, much underachieving as well. You want no part of the Philadelphia Phillies bullpen late in the game. If you've been live betting them, whatever, they've gotten leads. You have made a fortune off of them. So there are a lot of bullpens out there, to your point, that you just have no faith in whatsoever. And then there are others like the Milwaukee Brewers that are doing a great job with their bullpen.
0: Greg, you bite your tongue on my Philadelphia
1: Phillies. You see, Matt has some gray hair uh, when they blow leads for
2: uh. every game. so
1: Hey, the Phillies are very good at home. If they could play every game in the city of Philadelphia, this team would be going to the World Series.
0: <laughs> if they could also play five innings, too. <laughs> Greg. Hey, um, Greg, Greg, I'm just going to tell our listeners, if you guys are, if you tune into this show, please check out his, a, his spreadsheet. It's basically like Jimmy Johnson's draft day trade manifesto. When you're looking at numbers, it's amazing, Greg, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the, I'm going to keep it in the NL East real quick. So we know the Phillies have the horrible bullpen, decent starters. The Marlins are probably just too young. Atlanta's underachieving. The Nats, even without Strasburg, are really making a little push here with Schwarber, seem to be getting healthy at at the right time. And to me, the Mets are just the Mets, but they do have DeGrom, of course, and Pete Alonso is still there. He's been quiet this year. Who's going to win that division?
1: I think if the Mets get back the pieces that they are supposed to, it is going to be them because you've got Carlos Carrasco, Alonso and Syngard currently on the injured list. If you're able to get anything out of them whatsoever – you are able to get David Peterson, no relation, out of the starting lineup. I know that you've got Joey Lucchese, who has been making a couple starts for the team. That's not necessarily too great, but I take a look at the bullpen. Guys like Miguel Diaz, Trevor May. You even take a look at someone like Corey Oswald, who has been used as a long reliever. These guys have been able to come through. Seth Lugo has looked relatively solid ever since coming off the injured list. And with the Atlanta Braves, losing Marcel Ozuna and what is just an absolute calamity of a situation. If he's found guilty, man, he should not be in baseball for many, many years, if ever. But with this Atlanta Braves team, it certainly has been just a mess with them because they've actually been one of the top teams with regards to being able to hit homers homer so far this year. But I mentioned it a little bit earlier. The bullpen has not been there for this team. It looks like they're not going to be getting back Mike Soroka for the entirety of the year. You got two good starters, Max Freed, Ian Anderson, It seems like Charlie Morton is coming on, but it feels like every time Charlie Morton gives you two or three good starts, he winds up slipping back and he winds up progressing. And as a result, you've had to look to guys like Bryce Wilson to be able to give you some starts. And I just don't trust in this team. And then you also mentioned the Miami Marlins. They just can't score enough runs at this point. The pitching is really good. The offense it is just not holding up their end of the bargain. And then with the Washington Nationals, they're a team that they're a little bit banged up to your point with Steven Strasburg. I just don't know if we're ever going to see him healthy again this 2021 season. I think it might be a situation which he might need to come back strong in 2022, but... I just have my questions with them because this run has been because Kyle Schwarber has hit 18 home runs in 16 games, which I just cannot believe what we've seen there. And I think that the big fear with them is just the other guys in the lineup. Are you able to get Juan Soto online because he wound up entering into Thursday's action with just nine home runs? What are you able to get out of a guy like a Starlin Castro, Jan Gomes? So it's really been Schwarber and nobody else. And it just feels like when Traorber isn't hitting all these homers, they just leave too many men on base for my liking when it comes to the lineup.
3: I want to keep it in the NL East, Craig. Um and, and I'm going to go after uh, Matt's team here. So Philly, right, we talk about they have the future bullpen. Um, and I don't know how, how much you get into, you know, rosters and, and trade rumors or acquisitions, but um, – this is the third straight year Philly has had in the church's bullpen and they're a team, right? Like you said, they're, they're really good at home. They have the offensive bats, you know, with Hoskins, Romito, Harper, um, as well as a couple other younger guys. Why is that team disregarding a bullpen? Um, Which again, you know, the first year it it is what it is. The second year you kind of, and maybe this team will get it together in the third year. Like what is going on? I mean, this division I'm looking here, it's the Mets. First, the, the Nats are two games back, you know, Atlanta's four and a half and Philly's five. So that this is anybody's grab. Um, and you just you just wonder like why aren't they making moves? Why isn't that a, a need for them? Um, you know, I, I just don't understand it.
1: The thing is, they've made a couple moves in recent years for the bullpen. They wind up acquiring at the deadline last year a couple guys from the New York Yankees, more specifically David Hale. David Ayl has been absolutely terrible for the Phillies this year. They wind up bringing in Archie Bradley. They signed him to a one-year, $6 million contract. Archie Bradley has been both hurt, and he just flat out isn't necessarily very good, in my opinion. They just recently picked up this gentleman from the Detroit Tigers by the name of Tyler Alexander. Tyler Alexander was a little bit of a failure of a starter. He's a guy that I have absolutely no faith in coming out of the bullpen whatsoever. So it's one of these things in which the Phillies are addressing it, You're just not addressing it well. So this is actually more on the guys that are evaluating these pitchers more than anything else. Because the Phillies make moves. They just seem to make unsuccessful moves. And what I think is the problem for the Phillies as well is that they curtail a team that is very good for their specific ballpark out there in Philadelphia, which I think leads to the big home and road splits. Because you've got a team that they do a great job of being able to fouled out homers whenever they're at home. They do a good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard whenever they're at Philadelphia, but you get them in any other environment, and we see this with Aaron Nola being 3-14 and 14 in his last 17 starts away from Philadelphia, and they just aren't the same team. So I think that they focus a little bit too much on winning at home. Meanwhile, when they hit the road, they're just unable to sustain success.
0: Well said. Greg,
2: is, is Greg, is there any just when you wake up and you know i'll give you an example so a lot on twitter when it's a lot of people say hey it's matt harvey day is there like two or three guys that you just you know like matt harvey you're going man i'm going on my spreadsheet big line on the other team like is there two three guys that just pops out in your head i'll give you more
1: than two or three guys how about an (laughs) entire team the arizona diamondbacks this is absolutely ridiculous as we're recording this is a team that is seven and 47 in their last 54 games. It is absolutely remarkable that a team could be that bad. As a major league baseball team, you trip and fall into two wins every 10 games. And yet the Arizona Diamondbacks, just a malpractice with their pitching because this is a team that was 15 and 13 at one point this season. They were looking halfway decent. You had a couple guys that We're doing a good job out there in the bullpen like a Matt Peacock. They move Matt Peacock to the starting role, and then they move him back to the bullpen. I talked with Josh Showers, former Major League pitcher on the Vegas and Information Network every week, and he just told me how much different you need to prepare as a starter versus a reliever. And what the Arizona Diamondbacks are doing is they pretty much turn all their starters into relievers and all their relievers into starters. So these guys are trying to trying to prepare completely differently. And then you throw on there the fact of what we wound up seeing on Monday, which is where you wind up having Alex Young, relief pitcher at the plate, bottom of the sixth inning, one-to-one game. It is tied, bases loaded, two us They left him in there to hit. He winds up striking out looking. The next inning, he gives up six runs. <laughs> I mean, how bad of managing is that?
0: Greg, it's amazing you brought that up. I actually read that stat at the gym tonight quickly before this uh, podcast, and I think they projected them. If they played this past grouping, I forget the number you just said, they would have 27 wins on the season, which would be the an all-time historic bad pace. And I'm going to bring up another bad pace and something that caught my eye. So I'm a big prospect guy, and they said – that right now all the prospects are struggling. I'm sure you have some uh, irons in the fire, supposedly. Why are these prospects struggling so much when they're getting the call up? Is it is it basically just because they're, it's the the launch angle approach they're going for? Nobody does the small ball, or is it that big of a jump from the AAA pitching, AA pitching up to the pros?
1: I think that just minor leagues in general are behind because what got lost in the pandemic is that there was no 2020 minor league season. All of these guys had to wind up pretty much playing at team locations, alternate sites, whatever you want to call them. And they weren't able to play in live games. So you're pretty much seeing the same two or three pitchers over and over and over. You're trying to stay motivated. You're trying to get yourself prepared to go up to the big leagues, but it's really hard to do that. Imagine yourself practicing against like your high school teammates every single day for an entire year that's what these minor league guys had to do throughout the entire 2020 season, which is why we might have seen a guy like a Jared Kelnick who I believe on is spending fewer than 40 games at the AAA level throughout his career get sent up to the major leagues. Now he shouldn't have been hitting like a 100 like he was, but it is a little bit more understandable as to why some of these guys are struggling when they get up to the majors. It's because They're used to seeing like two or three different arms. They are now finally starting to get a little bit of normalcy when it comes to the minor leagues. They wound up getting a late start in May. So I do think that we're going to see better and better performance when we wind up getting these call-ups. But I think that this is just residuals of the 2020 pandemic.
3: Greg, I, I know we could uh we could talk to you for hours. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, just your knowledge is incredible. You know we love picking your brain, and we'll definitely get you back on. But uh, we want to you know ob- obviously respect your time. So I'll I'll end it with this. So um, last question for you for the night. So Smitty has a over under bet for the Pittsburgh Pirates total wins. Uh, Smitty wants a f- fifty nine and a half.
2: I I think it's fifty nine and a
1: half.
3: Do you think they get there right now?
1: The Pirates at 59 and a half. Yeah. I do think that they are going to, I think that it's going to be relatively close, but (laughs) them losing those games to the Colorado Rockies certainly did not help though. I will say the Colorado Rockies, a very different team home to row, but they are going to have a couple games coming up towards the back half of the year against the Arizona Diamondbacks, so should be a couple of get-right spots for them. Heck, I actually think that they've got a couple coming up in July, so that'll be helping them, and you take a look at the NL Central in general. You've got the Milwaukee Brewers out there. The Chicago Cubs are a team that they can lose on any given night. It just is one of those weird things in which the Cubs are one of the streakiest teams out there in baseball. The Cincinnati Reds are a team that are they're a little bit different home to road, and the St. Louis Cardinals. Prior to their series against the Arizona Diamondbacks, they had lost 17 out of their last 24 games. So at 29 and 50, they're not necessarily on the world's greatest pace, but at the same time, they're not too badly behind when you take a look at the remaining schedule. I think that they barely get there. I would think that they probably get to, I would say, 61 wins. So not necessarily (laughs) one of these things that they're going to do comfortably, (laughs) but I think that they barely go over.
0: Greg, Greg Kudlade, I am going to ask you one one last question. Will the Phoenix Suns win the NBA title?
1: Yes, I certainly think so. I think that they beat whoever winds up coming out of the East, because even if Trey Young and Giannis Antetokounmpo wind up playing, you know that they're not going to be fully at 100%. I just take a look at the Suns in general, and they've been disrespected all year long. I think we really underestimate what Chris Paul has been able to do with this team. Devin Booker. He didn't wind up putting up big numbers in college, which is why I feel like he went under the radar for so long. This guy is a walking bucket. When you don't wind up getting as many minutes because you're full of like nine five-star guys in Kentucky, you wind up getting lost in the shuffle a little bit. But even some of their ancillary pieces, have been able to step up. And we all talk about the draft from a couple years ago. DeAndre Ayton is showing that, you know what? Maybe the Phoenix Suns didn't wind up making the wrong pick with him.
3: Love it. Thank you. Uh, Love it. All right, Greg, let's get you back on uh, in in a couple weeks. And uh, if you're cool with that, and then uh, kind of reassess where we are in the Major League Baseball season.
1: Perfect. That sounds good to me. Thank you, gentlemen. All right. Have a
3: great night. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate (laughs)
1: it. Appreciate the time. Thank you.
3: If. speaking of the the diamondbacks pirates series later on in the season if the diamondbacks sweep the pirates you have to pick a new team to cheer for
2: (laughs) (laughs) i'll tell you what you know we were talking earlier today baseball's so weird it is and it's so hard to handicap i mean i've been i do a lot of money line parlay run run line parlays and i've been doing okay i'm up units for the year which is great now last night was a debacle I had a really bad day yesterday. Uh you know, one game I had the Pirates run line plus run line with the Cubs, which the Pirates didn't cover. They were winning, they blew it. Well, of course they did. But the Cubs like Greg said, that was amazing yesterday. You they so I get home and I check my phone and they scored 7 runs in the first. And then next thing you know in a blink they're down 14-7. I mean, it's just <laughs> remarkable. Same thing. Yankees score 7. Uh, Yankees scored seven in the bottom of the first yesterday and they had the lead going to the ninth. Now I woke up this morning and the Angels scored seven runs in the ninth off Chapman, I believe so baseball. And then again, Baltimore, who would have thought Baltimore would have went into the Astros and swept them.
0: I almost texted you yesterday when you uh, sent me picks and stuff. And I was going to tell you, as soon as the NBA first half, Busted for you. I was about to say, Smitty, don't rage bet tonight. Get off. Oh, well,
2: well, here's the thing. I I think I went three, three. I think I did five or six, and I hit two or three of them, but I lost two or three. But the night before, I crushed that.
0: I know. That's why I was gonna text you and be like, "Hey, don't rage bet tonight." Uh, I know. Don't, don't I go know. for well, it. Well,
2: you know, I'm a trend guy. I thought it was. I thought it was gonna get a little. Um, I'll tell you what I think hurt that. Now I lost power, which we never lose power here, but I lost power. But so I was trying to track it. I couldn't watch it on my phone. I think I couldn't believe like I lost the book or bet I lost, and he was still in the game, and they're up by like 28 points. I don't think it really helped that that clown shoved Paul in the back going into the huddle. <laughs> I think I think they really wanted to put it on him. And I think I could have won more of that clown. So that clown, if you listen to our podcast, I don't even know who that guy was. You need to send me some money.
0: Patrick Beverly. Send me some Patrick money. Patrick Beverly owes you a ticket.
2: I, you, he needs <laughs> me a ticket. Good I got job.
0: a lot
3: of people that owe me tickets. Still waiting to collect. <laughs>
2: um,
3: All right, boys, let's kind of transition. I knew uh, Smitty wanted to, you know, I was out at College World Series. I know he just kind of wanted to get a little, a few minute dissertation on that. Listen, I, I'll tell you what, I've been to the Major League World Series uh, when my Nationals won it, you know, that was incredible. Um, I, I've been to some of the best college football games, uh, you know, particularly like an iconic one is the the, out, the world's largest outdoor cocktail ball, right, in Florida, Georgia. It's just an incredible game, incredible atmosphere, um, beautiful women there at all day and a great game from 3.30 to 7.00. Um, I've never been to a sporting event more uh, more incredible than the College World Series. I know Smitty's been there uh, for a day or two. Um, I, I will be making it an annual trip. That's that's how much I enjoy it uh, from the from the teams uh, to the fans. It's just an incredible atmosphere um, and, and I'll tell you who really made it big this year it was Barstool Sports. Um, you know they sent out Brandon Walker, uh, Ben Mintz, Big T uh, represent Tennessee, Barstool Carl, uh, who used to pitch for University of Illinois. Uh, so he was out there repping, you know, a bunch of knowledge. Uh, but those guys were incredible. I got to meet Coach Dougs. Uh, you know, I did a little uh, PR with Brent Mintz. Um, uh, you know, we I went to Pick Central, which is Barstool's gambling show uh, live. You know, that was cool to to kind of jabber with uh, Marty Mush and Brandon Walker. It's just an incredible experience. And, and great yeah. baseball. I,
0: I was I was quite jealous. Um Plus, yeah, I mean, you got to see some great teams. Uh, We had the powerhouses, the Vandys, the Texas, Mississippi State. You had the underdogs out there, the NC State story, going to go down in infamy. I was highly jealous as I sat here and worked,
3: and you were out there living it up. I'll tell you what. So I've watched the college baseball, you know, World Series since I can remember. Um, You know, they changed the bats when they were hitting home runs every other at-bat. Um, I think I've watched probably one of the best pitching tournaments in college world series history. And you just look at the games that I saw. So I see Virginia, Tennessee, Andrew Abbott for Virginia throws seven innings, like 13 Ks, no runs. Um, Ty Madden loses two to one in an absolute gem has like has 12 or 13 Ks against Mississippi state. Will Bednar 15 Ks and in six innings. Jack Leiter has a no no going into the seventh, gives up a solo home run. They lose one nothing. Um, NC State, their pitcher for that game, throws an absolute gem. He's a freshman. He had six innings pitched going into that game and goes seven strong, uh, one hit ball. And then uh, McGarry for UVA, a no no and a perfect game into the seventh, and then gives up a two run bomb. Uh, I and mean, just the pitching matchups were absolutely incredible. And then what Landon Sims does—if he comes into the game, your team's done. You can't beat him. It, it was just to watch from a—you know—a player. I enjoy pitching matchups. I think I saw one of the best College World Series uh, pitching compilation that they've had ever.
2: Now, it's just—I already miss it tonight, personally. <laughs> like uh, seriously, like I kind of thought, like, oh, can't watch a game. There's such an enjoyable, and it's something that I've watched since you know. I was, you know, little and just some great teams that we've talked about on previous shows, like, you know, um, some Florida States, Miami, you know, Clemson's been good. Chris Benson pitched in that um, just on and on. It's something that I would always watch. And like Q said, luckily, one year I was able to go to a game and lived out that experience because I always said I wanted to go and watch the College World Series. So luckily, the betting messiah got married out there and we were out there. So we went to a game. But, you know, I think great baseball, you know, it was tough to see what happened to NC State. And, you know, again, we could talk about probably half hour on what happened there and have different opinions on it. I think, and I said this to Q earlier today, I think the big thing is Vanderbilt, just their defense really let them down. They kicked the ball around a lot. I think they had 11 or something, like 11 or 12 errors in that entire tournament. Where you look at Mississippi State, they didn't. And, you know, just game one, the kid didn't have it for Mississippi State. Vandy jumped on him. But other than that, Vandy didn't do much in that game. And then you saw it game two, and then it went into game three. So just hats off to Mississippi State, better team, and I'm glad. And you can say whatever you want. When when about 90% of the crowd is your fan base, it goes a long way in college sports.
3: Mississippi State baseball is the equivalent of having a major league team down there. I mean, those fans just literally live and breathe that that game. And, you know, they had a – I didn't stay the whole tournament. Um, they have a fan base. The stadium holds like 27,000 people, and I think Vandy might have had 3,000 of those. So 24,000 are Mississippi State there was another 10,000 Mississippi state fans outside at the bars watching the game. So, you know, kudos to that program. I'm extremely happy to see them. Those guys earned it, you know, especially to be a part of the very first national title in school history, you know, that, that will go down, um, as, as some of the greatest lifetime milestones for those kids, you know, especially the ones that don't go uh, to the draft and and what somebody brought up a good point. Um, and it might've been Barstow Carl on pick central, um, shout out to those guys, they 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 going into game three, they're talking, you know, like why is Mississippi State gonna win the game? Or why is Vanderbilt gonna win the game? And and then he brought it up because Mississippi State's gonna win the game because those kids care more and they want to be a part of school history and they bleed for that maroon and white. And it's true. When you look at Vandy, and he brought up specifically Kumar Rocker, Kumar Rocker didn't care if he lost that game. Kumar Rocker's caring about where he's getting drafted and what his signing bonus is. He knows he's going to the pros. So do you think he cares if he's already won a national title? He doesn't care about running it back. You look at Bednar, who's never won anything. I mean, yeah, he's going to get drafted, but he's not going to be a top 10 pick like Kumar's projected. You know, he he did it to be a part of history. Kumar wears the V for Vanderbilt for three years and he's out. Do you think he really cares about that school? No, he doesn't. And I can tell you why. The alumni for Vanderbilt, you know who the, the most reputable player was? Jay Cutler. Now, granted, Jay Cutler is a great football player. He had a good career. Um, but then you go to Mississippi State, you had Ralphie Palmero. you had Will Clark, you had Dak Prescott signing autographs. All these guys showed up because they actually loved that school and they were there, and, and, and kudos to that program.
2: Well, I don't know. I wouldn't go as far. He didn't care. I kind of disagree with that a little bit. I think the guy cares. I think they all cared. It just, again, I agree with what you said, that those kids are going to be legends now at Mississippi State. For the rest of, their, I mean, they can go in there and they have the key to the city, man. They can do whatever yeah. they want. I think, and again, I love Jay Cutler too. I think Jay Cutler is a great. <laughs> He's funny. I could, I could tell. I'm not going to go into it, man. But I, that that show, I'll go real fast here. That show that he was married to that that really hot chick, uh, at Kristen Cavallari or whatever. They did. So on that show, he was sitting around the kitchen the one time and she goes, what are you going to do today? And she was like going to do her 98 bazillion things. And he goes, I'm going to sit here and watch the deer on the monitors <laughs> Went up to the house. And then he said, I'm going to beat all the moms to, and uh, I'm going to get in number one in the school line to pick the kids up. That was his goal for the day. Watch deer and get the kids. And he wants to be number one. And well, uh, Jay Cutler's is the best. But, you know, I think, again, it just comes down to defense. I think they just and they. Q, you said it today on the phone. They just could not get – they they just did not have that superstar hitter where Mississippi State had some sticks.
3: Their superstar hitter hit 16 home runs and batted 265 in Carter Young, and he just got absolutely shut down the whole tournament. And then, uh, quite frankly, Mississippi State has two superstars, probably about five elite hitters – Guys who hit over three hundred, but when you have to go Rowdy Jordan and into Tanner Allen, that's a nightmare. And you have to pitch to him because the next guy's Logan Tanner or Hombest. Uh, now he didn't play; he took a shot to the wrist, uh, so I'm hoping he gets back in time for uh, football. He's a tight end, uh, but you just you can't pitch around anybody in that lineup. Hey, I just googled uh, most famous Vandy alumni. Just
0: in fact for you guys, uh, Jake Cutler checks in at number ten on the 10. list. Number 10? Well, he's that's number famous. one. He's not number just, one in my sport, mind. Not just sports. I mean, number one is Molly Sims, which is fine by me, because she's hot. Oh, right. Yeah, she's all right.
3: <laughs> uh, Dan Watson's on there, but obviously he's in, in midseason, so I can give him a pass. You know, obviously he's not going <laughs> to go to um, – I just thought the support for Mississippi State overall was tenfold better. Uh, you know, the crowd, they want – man, the
2: crowd goes a long way in college sports.
3: Yes, I think does. I
0: think one good thing from this tournament, though, I, I think Mississippi State winning is actually a good thing, not for the standpoint of them being their first national title in any sport, but I think it takes away, it distracts us from what actually happened to NC State. I think if Vandy would have won, everybody could be like, oh, well, it should have been NC State there. So I think this is this is a good overall picture and look. Yeah, was
2: I was I the only one? Q talk. Hugh brought up the bats and I text everybody like Garve went Garve played in the regionals at Pitt and they played like Tennessee and that's when Todd Helton was at Tennessee and all that Garve came back with like a bat like real like and he's like you know they gave us bats and Garvey had one and he's like I don't want it you can take it Smitty I think I still have it in the garage and I can't remember but it was you know the bats were real like bright and colorful those bats they used look like I don't know what they look like. It looked like they found those in an alleyway and they just started hitting them. every bat, They look like they were in the worst shape. Like they, were Dude, from, they look like,
0: they look like the old ones. We
2: use the old uh, Eastern black magics, bro. It's like <laughs> freaking quality. It just. And, I, I I don't know. I'm, I'm weird. I pick up on weird stuff like that. I was sitting there watching. I'm like, these bats look like they seriously were thrown on the side of the road somewhere. And they found them and said, Hey, let's save some money. And we're going to use them this year.
3: Well, Smitty, they are going back to the retro. Uh, they're going back to like the Black Magics and the uh, the Big Green East. And I know that was a powerhouse bat back in the day. So when you load those bad boys up like they are with uh, three pounds of pine tar, uh, <laughs> and then you add like that retro look, it looks like it's been beat for about 15 years and they pulled it out of their garage from their. their <laughs> <laughs> um, overall, boys, it incredible trip again i i think i'm gonna make it an annual trip you know i'm not gonna go out for two weeks but i'll go out for like three to five days if you guys want to join me please do because it's just absolute debauchery and incredible baseball great great fan base um i, I really enjoyed it now we could talk Dude, about you it.
0: mind me asking yeah how hard was the, how hard because you went out on short notice yes how hard was it to get like a hotel
3: uh, it wasn't too bad. Um, so we actually, so I didn't realize how close we were to Iowa, right? We're a mile away from the state of Iowa. So we actually stayed in council bluffs, uh, shout out council bluffs. They have a uh, resort, which is an incredible casino. Uh, that's where Barstool was promoting uh sports book. They have Harrah's. Um, so we stayed a mile there. I think we paid, it was like 200 a night. that's not terrible. Now, if you were down on that right now, cause I get lots of free rooms. If you, uh, yeah, you might get one if you're a rewards member. Um, yeah. if you, Omaha downtown, you were looking at 600 a night. Now, obviously, if you book out 10 months in advance, you're going to get a better rate, right? But we didn't know who was going to be going. The guy I went with is a Texas fan. Uh, I thoroughly support UVA baseball. So it was kind of a, a last-minute decision based off of who made it. Um, I, I don't think it'll matter who makes it next year. I'm still going to go, but I'll definitely get better rates. Uh, but you could tell, like, the city jacks up prices for that, for that two weeks, and they know it, and they know you're going to pay it. Um, I mean, that city has got to be relying on that College World Series revenue because outside of the zoo in Omaha for two weeks, there's nothing to do in that city except drink. <laughs> Love it. It looks like it might be a Harris property. Um, it which, it which, is a Harris. Which, oh, well, then uh, I might be in for next year. <laughs> well, Harris is separate from Ameristar, but they're like a thousand feet from each other.
2: There we go. Oh, we'll okay. it off. It's a business
1: trip. It's a business trip. Wait,
0: wait. <laughs> it's it's part of uh, the, this rewards. I'm looking here called my choice and that yeah. is part of the Meadows casino,
3: which is here in Pittsburgh. So I still might have an in. Perfect. All right. I, I know I'm staying with you. Cause I got the free room. Uh, and I'll be, <laughs> I'll be honest, dude, like the tickets were not expensive to the games. You know, obviously the closer you sit to home um, the more you pay, but, I think we went to four games and I think we spent three hundred dollars or four games to have incredible seats. We sat two rows off the field for the for the Vanny NC State game. We made ESPN a couple times, you know, with some foul balls. So like in terms of you know quality seats, we were right there for for a bargain, you know, as to what you pay for a major league baseball game. But hey, notebook wager and paid for it. So it was all expensive. All if- right off. <laughs> it's all right off. She understands the company paid for it. It was a block. <laughs> Talked about wagering, talk podcast. So when the uh, IRS comes after me for taxes, <laughs> I covered it. You're all covered, bro. All covered. All right, boys. Enough College World Series talk. I mean, I could go on for hours about it. Just you know, with some of the things uh, that I heard and, and interacted with, as well as the NC State uh, debacle. Uh, oh, one thing I did like Tanner Round hits a three run bomb in game three, and as he's rounding first base, he's holding the Wolf Pack. Uh, with his hands and it couldn't have been more of a better shot as the, the Vandy uh first baseman just had an utter disgusting look screw Vandy on. Hey just a,
0: a quick tidbit I'm just reading some news and whatnot uh that big guy speaking of college hoops since we had uh Peterson on that uh Illinois center uh Kofi Coburn he's entering the transfer portal
2: Yeah great great passing
0: on the passing on the draft and coming coming wow. back
2: Greg Peters, Greg did come out with a tweet and said that you had to, there's still rumors that he might stay in for the draft. You had to something on July 1st. So it was something he had to do. So Greg said he still thinks he might go. But the other rumor by somebody else on Twitter today, they said a lot of where they think he's going to head if he comes back, keep an eye on Kentucky.
0: Yep, that's what I'm reading right here. So this was three hours ago. So I, the way they're posing this, it looks like he's coming back. And I I actually, crazy as I am with this sports junkiness, I actually looked yesterday about the NBA draft and like who's projected to go. He was at the very tail end of the second round to, to get drafted. I mean, that's not, those guys rarely even make a team. So if he's smart, he goes back to school.
2: Go back to school and work on it, man. I can't wait to get yeah. back to college. Back. I can't wait for college football, personally.
3: College football is going to be incredible this year. Full season, yep. got full the stadiums. Pack. Yep, can't wait. Well,
2: sounds like we're going to have a little competition with our other um, one of our other favorite podcasts.
1: Yeah, we got to put a little we
3: we gotta a wager though. Yeah, there's definitely a wager. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll we'll work out the kinks before we announce it. But it, you know, they did uh, challenge us to a friendly challenge. You know, behind the scenes, we'll get that squared away. And once we have, you know, all the rules, uh, all the players involved, and uh, what the wager is, we'll certainly. I know they're going to talk about it on their show. We're going to talk about it on our show, and then we're going to come together and just bang up college football. And I can tell you right now, Fandle, I'm taking your money. <laughs> no doubt about it. All right, boys. We got about ten minutes left, so let's let's just keep the show going and uh, let's keep running. So, Maybe you want to
0: touch on any golf,
3: little yeah. travels,
0: travelers.
2: Well, you or know, Rocket
0: Mortgage. Sorry.
2: Yeah, we've been doing really well. Gave out some plays. I I don't know. I got to look, Matt. I don't know if they got the whole round in today because we had a pretty rain delay. They did
0: not. Um, okay. I pulled it up while we were watching. Uh, looks like most of the guys are through. 13 is pretty much the last man on the totem pole. looks like maybe some 12s out there. So these guys are going to have to go out early tomorrow, and then they probably stay out and just keep firing through, which might help.
2: So It might help. I mean, so, um, you know, I gave out. I had Abraham uh, answer top 10 last week, uh, so it was good. I played a Webb Simpson to win this. I gave out. He's at minus three, didn't finish. I have DeShambeau as a top five, which again, can you who what happened there? Let's talk about that real fast. His caddy quits right before
0: this. this we, were, we were talking about this via text. I think, I mean, he's a unique kid in the first place. I think he'd be kind of hard to work for slash work with. He's he's a little bit arrogant. He's a little bit whiny. He's a don't I don't knock his talent at all. And he is kind of a workaholic. So, behind the scenes, what if he keeps that caddy out there on that range till eight at night? Then the caddy's got to get all the bag ready, get all the clubs ready, clean everything. I mean, maybe the caddy just had enough. <laughs> I'm sure he's uh, not the easiest guy
2: to work for, but I could be wrong. I just wish I would have known that because I, I got to see where he's at. But so I had him top five, I gave out. Then he's I played, even far. Even far. Well. Then I had Jason Kokrak, uh, top 10, minus three right now. Patrick Reed, top 10. He's minus three. And then I think I played that. Is it Will uh, Zateros?
0: Zalatoros.
2: Zalatoros. I've heard him a couple times, and I kind of like some things. I had him there. Now, I did play one match for the tournament, and that was – Kokrak over um, Newman. Neiman. Neiman, Neiman, yeah. yeah.
0: And Joaquin Neiman is tearing it Neiman. up. He's a minus six through 16. Kokrak's minus three. About the same. Plus,
2: plus one and a half strokes in that.
0: Okay. A long,
2: long weekend. A lot can happen. Oh, like yeah. The answer was way down and then caught fire the last two days and got up in the top ten, so a lot can happen. And I do want to report this, Q. Because the last time we did a show was right before the Open, and I was in dead last in our golf draft. I picked Rom with the number one pick, and now I'm up in fourth place, and I'm right outside the money getting ready for the British <laughs> Open, and I cannot wait.
0: I love it. That's, that's like saying there's a, a supermodel in your high school, and you picked her to be the, the the prom queen over everybody else.
2: You had the first pick. This isn't rocket science. Try I don't seven care. Eight in the middle of the pack. Listen, there was a couple good-looking hey, girls in high school and I. They probably all turned me down. So, uh <laughs> But fourth place, right outside the money, I'm there. I can't wait. And the fun thing about that is my brother-in-law is in fifth place, and we're going to be camping. We're going to be in the mountains of North Carolina for that tournament. So that will be a lot of fun to track that for the weekend and talk some smack to each other. So I can't wait.
3: All right, I, I don't have anything else. You know, I'm not going to force anything. Matt, you got anything else? You got
0: nothing else? We got, we still got the NHL finals
2: going on. the NBA.
0: I
3: don't care
2: about NHL. <laughs> hey, I, I gave out the under winner. I, I'm not a big hockey guy. I, I kind of just try to do some first period unders and some things like that. But everything I'm hearing, and uh, Tampa is just dominating that.
0: Well, we, we talked off offline about that smitty i i mean great run by the canadians great run but i mean they finished 12 games i think behind tampa it, they're just not in the same class and i think they've used up all their juice i think it's just come to an end i mean you can only ride Kerry price so far and the guy on the other side Vasilevsky, just as good as carrie price so if your team doesn't have the juice and you're you're shooting against a brick wall versus a brick wall somebody's going to crumble and Tampa's just going to outshoot them, outskate them. And I think I think Montreal will get one, but I actually said before it started, I said I see a a 4-1 Tampa back to back.
2: Yeah, and and you know, I do too. I agree. NBA, you know, I didn't put it out cuz we were just doing the show. I played a first half under. I think it was at 105. And it's at 38 points right now with three minutes left. I played the Bucks money line. They're up 18 in the first quarter here. And I played a Holiday under six and a half rebound and Middleton under 28 and a half points.
0: I'll end on one thing here, Q. Um, yep. I, I, I'm sure Smitty probably has seen this. Uh, your boy from the Steelers, the uh, middle linebacker. Do you see him uh, not call out?
2: Bush, these. Kevin Bush.
0: Yeah, he didn't really call out his teammates, but he basically said, hey, if you're on TikTok, I'm I'm not a fan. And I love it. I, I hope somebody in that locker room gets a hold of these guys and be like, look, you got to focus on football. Enough of this nonsense. We're not getting younger. We're not getting rings here right now. You, you better make it work.
2: Well, I've, said, I've I, How much have I said it about the Steelers? And, I, I, you know, being my team, I'm so critical of the Steelers. Juju just wants to be on TikTok and dancing and then Claypool's starting to get on. It's stupid. Like Matt just said, concentrate because the Steelers ain't winning. They haven't been winning. And all these people, well, they're great. They have a great – no, they don't. Okay, who cares? They get bounced in the first round every year do something about it, change it. I'm glad he said it, man. He's a Michigan guy. Of course he said that he wants to play football.
3: (laughs) I kind of just wish he'd play pool and uh, Juju though on that. I mean, if you're going to call, like we know who it is, you know, you're not, you're not trying to pull anything, you know, the rug out from under anybody, just call him out. Like if you're going to do that, just say, I'm tired of these two. Like, I'm here to win a championship. That's why I play this game. Get off the team if you're worried about TikTok. Yeah, I don't
0: want to quote it word for word, but I think he said what we've just reiterated. And then JJ Watt, I believe, responded and said, you're going to need a different locker room. (laughs) (laughs) Or or you're going to need your own locker
3: room. Yeah. Well, I can can, uh, happily report I do not have a TikTok. So he was not coming after me. Did you,
2: real real quick today, and then I'm done, but I thought, you know, so with all the college players today, they can now endorse things, and Bo Nix did, like, an iced tea, I believe.
3: Milos. Okay,
2: I've never heard of it or anything, but somebody then on Twitter, and I don't know if they're an Alabama, they must have been an Alabama fan, they did a video, though, they went to the refrigerator, did you guys see this? I did. Okay. Well, let me, I'm just going to say it on it. So somebody went to the refrigerator, took it out of the refrigerator, dumped it down the sink and said, more or less like blank this, because it was a (laughs) rip on like Alabama Auburn, which I just thought made my day. It was the funniest thing I saw.
3: Uh, Well, if you follow us, you know, if you're interested in being notebook wagering's first athlete, you know, please DM us (laughs) uh, and we'll get something going. Um, Hey,
2: Gar, Gar, Garf sent it out trying to be the first 46-year-old alumni to Barstool. I loved it. Did you see that on Twitter?
3: Yeah. Barstool, I and mean, I asked him, I said, Does they, uh, so I play in the upper league on Wednesday night softball. Uh, <laughs> that I mean, it is an athlete, right? I'm in the uppers. I'm not in the lowers. Well, they, we said, they
2: said that there's a gym, a girl gymnast, and I yeah. can't remember her name right now. Uh, and again, my, both my daughters are really into gymnastic and they're on a team and they're traveling team. And, uh, but they said that she has so many followers. She could be a millionaire by probably the end of the week here. That's probably
0: some, it's probably Simone Biles. Oh,
2: you mean a college gymnast? A college, a, a gymnast uh, on, on LSU.
0: Oh, there's one from uh, UCLA. That's amazing. And she did so much crazy
3: stuff. So uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, good. Hey, good for them. Make, make your money where you can make it. Yeah. Money. I look
3: at it. I agree. Hey, maybe I'll make them play harder. All right, boys, that's enough. Uh, We'll get back to doing shows on a more regular basis. I know life's been a little hectic, uh, but, you know, it's starting to slow down a tad. Um, So we will start pumping out shows. You know, Smitty and I were talking. uh, We're going to get, try to find some B reporters, you know, for some conference football. Let's start breaking out some conference. We have a big guest coming on uh, potentially next week. I don't want to give any spoilers out, uh, you know, until she's. Uh, actually on the air with us, uh, but I'm looking to break down the SEC conference with her. I think she's an incredible wealth of knowledge. Um, she's easy on the eyes, and she just seems incredibly intelligent in football in general. So we're excited to uh, work out the, the scheduling for that, bring her on and, and start hammering out, um, you know, some college football and then um, conferences, you know, we have a bunch to cover, and then we'll start when NFL – Uh, spring training comes around, or training camp, you know, we'll start breaking that down with some fellas.
2: Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, again, I hope it works out. I've been in contact with her. Um, Like you said, a lot of knowledge and, you know, can football, baseball can talk and knows her stuff. So I'm very excited to be our first um, female on the show. And we're really trying to contact more females in, in the sport business to come on and talk to us. So we're hoping that it works out. So that would be another great guest. And we've really knocked it out the last couple of shows with some uh, great guests. So we ap- appreciate, again, the time that Greg gave us again. He's been on the show now multiple times, but the guy, follow his podcast. If you like baseball, it's a great podcast. He breaks down the games from the night before. Then he usually has a guest on and goes into Really just great questions and back and forth uh, talking about different teams, different things happening in baseball. And then he previews every game for the day and gives his prediction what he would play. So if you like to gamble on baseball, check it out.
3: All right, boys. I'll see you next week. Have a great night,
1: everybody. Find those winners. Thanks for listening to the Notebook Wagering Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any episodes and be sure to follow at Notebook Wagering. Until next time.